Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Michael, now that Game of Thrones is over in the rearview mirror and not coming back to us for a long time, I think we have to go back to our our um, high school sweetheart. Let's talk about Star Wars here. A lot of stuff happening this summer. A lot of it has gotten me a little bit riled up. Ooh, riled up. First things first, high school sweetheart? Let's go with uh, at least middle school and maybe inappropriately young. Like maybe even <laughs> elementary school, sweetheart. I'm right. But I hear what you're saying. Yeah, a lot of stuff has come up here. Uh, director swaps and uh, possible hints at this Obi Wan movie. So are you getting ready for the the big movie coming back? I think so. I mean, um, tickets are probably going to go on sale not too far from now. Oh, true. Yeah, listeners, get get prepared. I don't think that we have a. Um, have we gotten Disney as a sponsor yet? Ooh, no, I don't think we have. We should get on that. Oh, okay. Well, or um, have we gotten any one of those ticket platforms? All right, then no. Yeah, yet? no promotions. No freebies here. No, yeah, these are no promotions. So we're <laughs> just just look at the news yourselves. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm starting to get I'm starting to get excited, starting to get um starting to get interested, get back in the Star Wars frame of mind. I should probably watch them all again. All right, let's get into some MLB topics. Playoffs. Uh, have you been looking at the standings lately? I know that you are you're wearing a Minnesota Twins hat right now, so I'm gonna say you probably are. You know, I built this. I built the run differential tracker a few weeks ago that we talked about, and I just run it mm-hmm. every few days just to see what's up. Third hottest team right now, my Minnesota Twins. Uh, yeah. So a 17 to zero win. Did that help the run differential model? <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> it helped it so much that you can visually see the game <laughs> like because I, I tracked this i tracked this over the whole season and you can visibly see this giant discontinuity where you're like whoa what just happened there yeah I, when i saw that those results uh, all i could think of was char- uh willy wonka and the chocolate factory <laughs> augustus sweetheart save some room for later <laughs> now nah, that is that is so fitting the playoff race is, is really heating up you know the yankees are managing to keep things hot the red sox have cooled a little bit are you worried about that oh absolutely because yeah. i have thought that this this red sox team was fake as fake can get and the yankees are were pretty legit so it's concerning, and I don't think that the Red Sox are going to catch up to the Indians. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, if you if you go on the straight run differential, which interestingly now has sort of divided into to a top six or top seven teams, the Red Sox are part of that. So nominally, they should be in the playoffs. They're just getting a little unlucky, I think. What about the Dodgers cooling off? The Dodgers are... Um, you know, relatively cooling off the, over the past uh, 10 games or so, but they're, I mean, they're still leading the entire MLB and run differential, hands down. 
Yeah. All right. Today on the pod, workshop time, I think. Uh, we are thinking about developing abstracts for a analytic sports conference that Eric is going to talk about when he's introducing his segment. And what we're going to do is we're going to workshop two different ideas that we're thinking about taking to this conference. The first one is sort of the fleshed out version of the growth chart and a platform that we're developing for that, that Eric's talked about a few times. And then I'm going to talk about the about modeling ownership, which has something to do with the wisdom of the people, a theme that we've used a couple times. Take it away, Eric. All right. Yeah. So the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference is a conference for nerds every year sports nerds <laughs> and last year when it well this year when it happened uh, i i turned to mike and said you know we really have to we have to get a seat there so um this year luckily i was paying attention to the abstract uh, deadlines I said mike we got to get a couple of abstracts together so just a little behind the behind the scenes and that Mike sent sent me over a couple of uh, brainstorm ideas of topics that we could go over. And one of those was uh, the first one that we'll discuss right now that um, I latched on to with the uh, presenting the growth chart platform. <laughs> and um, so during season one of the podcast, I presented the work related to the growth charts three times. I've begun to think of the family of work as a growth chart technique. It's really a platform of work from which various outcroppings form. And it's also more of a, um, it's a display technique that is lends to um, developing other ideas. So now for Sloan, what we need to do is, uh, we want to submit abstracts that will be judged whether they're interesting or not. And then they'll come back to us with, yes, we're interested. No, we're not interested. Or yes, we're interested enough uh, for you guys to write a paper that we'd end up putting in the poster section. Did you follow that mm -hmm. piece, Mike? Eventually <laughs> after reading it like five or six times, like what? Oh, okay. Yeah, their website is not exactly the most straightforward. Uh, thank you, MIT people. <laughs> <laughs> so on the website, Sloan says that they want uh, the abstract submissions to address the following. Number I, we're going Roman numerals here. What the research question is and why it's important. II, the research methods and data used emphasizing what is new about the approach taken. Triple I, summary of the actual, not promised, results or statistics. And then IV, conclusion stating how the findings will impact the analysis and or business of sports. That's a lot. We have 500 words then to write an abstract that addresses all of those points and um, has enough buzzwords for the selection committee yeah yeah we've been talking about buzzwords a bunch i see a couple are are going to come up here in just a minute oh yes they will so mike you've you've submitted papers before mm -hmm. to astro conferences mm -hmm. uh, what other kind of conferences have you um, have you submitted papers straight for? up hardcore nerd physics conferences oh nice really just straight physics yeah, the American Physical Society. We crushed it. Wow. 
Yeah, and I am coming in from submitting to um, geography and transportation conferences, both not um, not the richest of topics, pretty dry stuff, <laughs> <laughs> mostly. You and me both, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, too. Yeah, mine are all to engineers. Yours are to physicists and and academics, right? Yeah. Yeah, so this is going to be interesting because this is to the idea of this conference is really to get um, Sloan is a business school, correct? For um, MIT. Um, so it's really, it's really to get business folks, um, analytics people, and then the actual sports owners managers um gms and whatnot together so this is this would actually be a pretty impressive conference to <laughs> mm-hmm. get a get an abstract through so let's let's really try to work on this um so what i'm thinking on on my my topic a couple of things that i put together here and then um Mike and I might have to workshop a few of these, and then uh, I've got a draft of the abstract. We'll call it a super rough draft. Um, so the research question that I'm, I guess I'm trying to follow here, can growth charts be a vehicle for understanding longitudinal hitting stat data? What do we think, Mike? You think that that's a, a decent, interesting enough research question? I think we got to focus it a little bit more, but I think we're really onto something here. I mean, the, the longitudinal, the longitudinal is key, obviously, in hitting this. I mean, what's what's sort of new and innovative about about the technique? Um, well, I mean, I'll let, I'll let you introduce it, but I th- I think that I think that we've shown specific applications that we can sort of zero this research question in on more. Right, and that's the question that I guess I have as we get into this is like, how much should we get into the specifics of like applications that we've had? Do we want to like, I mean, we don't want to center this around like looking at Whit Merrifield, but <laughs> are you sure? Nah. <laughs> you know, they say they said talk about what you like. You know, write about what you know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, Right, what you know, right, what you like, what you aspire to. Damn, if be. we don't know a lot about Whit Merrifield at this point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, so I guess we should definitely focus a little bit more, try to get a little bit more specific in the in the um, the research topic, so maybe you and I can spitball that a little bit more. Longitudinal hitting stat data for understanding and comparing players, really the projects that I've seen in the past combine an element of really good visualization as well as simplifying the problem in some way, which in our case is done through the dimensional reduction and the second derivative analysis. And it's unique because it's set up to be sort of its own control data set in the sense that Mm -hmm. you're already comparing everyone against each other in the same uh, vacuum, for instance. So it's not like we're trying to compare across different eras or different years or even different parks because all of that should be washed out in the size scale of the data that we're taking. Yeah, exactly. And then also, I think uh, one of the pieces that I've been struggling how to how to actually present it is you're also comparing 
I say it inter and intra player comparison. You're also comparing the player to the player. That's I right. I mean, naturally, just by looking at the slope of the line, you're able to you're able to look at different epochs upon the curve and say, oh, that's looking a little bit. That slope is looking a little too high. That's looking a little too low. I think that it's a combination of that and the second derivative statement where you, because the second derivative statement is sort of code words saying that you're comparing the player against themselves, mm-hmm. right? But you're looking for the spot that... Okay, I see. Yeah. You're looking in the, with the second derivative, you're looking for the spot where relative to the the rest of this of the players there's a difference because it's not it's a it's a little bit convoluted because it's not just a difference of the players performance themselves it also depends on what the rest of the league is doing for instance if mm-hmm. the league has a down hitting week but your guy has or Whit Merrifield let's say for example has a really hot week then he could really shoot up extremely on the growth chart individually and then could have that same production and then would not yeah yeah but you would know and I one of the things that I would really emphasize, and you sort of do this in the comprehensive word, is the simplicity of this and the fact that it can scale to all manner of different statistics or different numbers in any way. And you can do this at all sorts of different um, time scales. I mean, I was, when we were talking about this brainstorming, whether you can push this down to, you can almost push this down to pitch by pitch outcome data. Oh, yeah, and you can disaggregate this as well. Okay, so research methods and data used. Mm. What is the best way to actually address that piece of the request from Sloan? I think to me, I would spin it as the fact that you're using actually the simplest data possible. Like, I like... I like that aspect. <laughs> you know, it's not saying we're not even saying that it has to be really complex stuff that you can't look up. I like that this is accessible to to anyone who's got this idea in place. Accessible data that is data accessibility is a pretty good buzzword. <laughs> Some of what we're doing on the fantasy side really lends well to being applied and the minor league level yes so that organizations don't have to be scouting every single player in every single game they're able to just take a look at like a growth chart for the first half of the season the minor league season they can say you know what these are the 100 players that we're interested in across all of minor league baseball let's go scout those guys and I think there's a ton of value at the minor league level in the intra-player comparison of the growth chart because, as we've shown before, there's such a huge offset when you're considering different leagues, and the and this yeah the considering the denominator that's coming out of these and this has the power to just whoop, remove the denominator and you don't have to worry about it. Cut through the chaff. Is that what the expression is? Ooh, well said. All right, so uh, let's just uh, you know enough workshopping on this. Here's the uh, here's my first draft of the abstract. Um, MLB hitters counting stats grow over the course of a season in much the same way that infants grow over the course of their first year of life. 
While an infant's development results in growth spurts and lulls that vary the growth of their weight, height, and head circumference, hitters go through streaks and slumps that vary the growth of their runs, RBIs, and home runs. Pediatricians and parents use growth charts as means for monitoring this longitudinal progression. In this same way, we have applied the growth chart concept as a means of tracking, analyzing, and displaying the development of MLB hitters over the course of an MLB season. This paper presents the growth chart technique for analyzing MLB hitters. The analysis platform facilitates benchmarking of players against percentile curves, comparisons of players on a common axis, and comparisons of players against themselves across season epochs. The growth chart technique is also used as a dimensional reduction technique as a way to model an archetype hitter, as well as a tool for analyzing, characterizing, and forecasting hitting trends. Instead of focusing on aggregate season totals or disaggregate game results, this analysis presents a mesoscale resolution with, which aligns with and highlights longitudinal hitting trends. Our growth chart technique provides a methodological platform that combines intuitive visualizations with second derivative analysis. As we'll hear a little later when we're wrapping up, we end up talking about the NFL. As the NFL starts this week, I really just need to get my obligatory reverse jinx in on the Vikings. Eight and eight. Oh, that's generous. Uh, let's go six and ten and uh, hope for better. <sighs> oh boy. That sounds like buddy the Vikings a lot of the fate. Vikings have never once overperformed expectations. <laughs> like they don't. You set your expectations really high and they don't meet them. So anytime yeah. anybody throws a number out in my head, I just like mm, let's just subtract two wins off of that. We kicked around the idea of the wisdom of the people before Vox Populi, if you will, and this has resulted in some public study of ADP, see our episode 1.05 from this season. Ancient history, it feels like at this point. Oh, yeah. However, there's another way that the might of the masses might be wielded for good or evil, which is league ownership data from fantasy. Yes. Yes, indeed. I was brainstorming about this, and... Uh, let me start with the applications, and then I'll move to the sort of tropes that I figure that these covered. Uh, the applications of ownership data, the first thing I would say is for the lazy owner, brain-dead pickups. You look at what else is happening, who is the most owned guy in your league that is on the waiver wire, and you go for that. I mean, you just trust that everybody else has done a lot of work and or somebody else in your league dropped him recently and you can pick up the best available player. You can also use this generally to look at what direction the wind is blowing, try and figure out who is who is rising and who is falling relative, um, relatively in the rest of the leagues and see what that means for your league, see if you can glean some strategic advantage there. Our goal probably in doing this kind of work is to figure out the um colorblind leading the blind you know just just let at least add one one level of of information there but i think it's also i i think this is all true i mean like how how much we're all we're very curious we know that we can do that 
but the question is whether we can really use ownership data to um, to really make make hay in the daily fantasy world, which has the real world application for at least on the Sloan conference side or for a team owner, how they pick the players that they're going to be, be going after mid season, mm. end of season, etc. Yeah. I would say, I mean, my pitch to Sloan and my, my structure right now is much less formal than Eric's, um, but something to work on. My pitch to Sloan would be, I'm interested in what, everybody is interested in and how people consume sports absolutely i think there's something to be said if you wanted to be you know the heartless capitalist the question would be which player on your team do you want to have your media department shamelessly promote the most whit merrifield <laughs> yeah i mean I'm always sorry, what? i mean that's but that's not a bad example if whit merrifield is the hot guy he's backing it up every night on the field you want your media team to be on that and you want to use some sense to quantify, well, how much is this actually being picked up? And so folding this all into one big package that includes fantasy ownership data, because I mean, let's face it, fantasy players are probably going to be the most rabid, some of the most rabid consumers of the sport. Yep, absolutely. The guys that are spending money on getting the direct TV packages, et cetera, et cetera, to watch everybody. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I thought about, um, and this is really the, the direction that I'm pushing this right now um, for a fantasy application, is inverting this problem. So instead of uh, using the ownership data to infer whether you should own a player, using that player's performance, or infer something about that player's performance, use that player's performance to infer something about um, the ownership in the future. Okay. So forecasting models going forward, looking at things um, that might be hallmarks of that. In some ways, this is really easy. So let me talk about the innovations. This would be getting into sort of the tools that we'd be talking about for Sloan. This is, we first of all, we need to grab all the ownership data, um, ESPN being the worldwide leader in sports. If they want to sponsor this, they can. It's no big deal. Uh, <laughs> I grabbed, I grabbed all of my data from there talking about this. I, I want to caveat this and talk about that all of this data that we're grabbing comes with a big, all of the leagues are totally different and they just get lumped together when we're talking about ownership data. Yeah, so you yeah. got to be careful to remember that the, the slope of the curve actually looks a little bit different because of what, because of different priorities. But then I thought about how, what can I pair this with and what, what can you start to say about how how they're being perceived in the media. And what I did was I set up a query for Google News pertaining to different players. So I identified a bunch of players that were either being hot ads or hot or cold drops right now. And I set up a Google News query and asked, well, can we can I set up an automated way to identify why they've been added or dropped? Yeah. And I just analyzed it using very simple text parsing, looking for keywords. Um, for instance, I would, you know, there's there's really easy ones. DL. DL is a huge one. It's all about on the dropping side. It's all about hitting the disabled list. So you have to include rehab, injured, disabled, DL, 
uh, surgery. And then I also include suspension because guys get dropped like crazy the minute they get suspended, of course. What I found really, you know, first order results here really quick and then decide, and then we'll talk about sort of deciding what to do with this is that there's a really asymmetric ad drop or hot ads cold drops. Um, it's really easy to predict who's going to be dropped. <laughs> it's all the guys that hit the DL or suspended. Mm -hmm. Uh, but interesting stuff going on there. It's really easy to see why guys have been, why guys are dropping. Ads are performance-based, which means that it's a that it's kind of a challenge. Uh, what you see is that when a guy is dropped, he's dropped in very high percentages. So there's a huge cluster of drops around 10% where just everybody basically is dropping him in any league where guys are droppable. Versus ads, you have a lot more guys that are at the lower levels, two, three, four percent, which I think my my rough interpretation of that would be that it takes longer for quality performance to percolate through into the knowledge of different people. Right. Sustained production is hard to to um, kind of track. That's right. And so there, there's something to be said there about how to pick up players based on this huge pedestal you have of different guys being picked up. The last point is just there appears to be nothing to do with pitchers. So I'm gear I've been gearing all of this analysis and all of my thinking about how to sell this as um towards hitters right now. All right. Yeah, we'll have to think about pitchers later. That's for us at some other time. <laughs> so I've presented some, some these these cursory results of which there are clearly interesting things and the question is what package do we wrap this all up in for Sloan? Um I came up with sort of three three different options um that I think can be that I think can be tailored to answer to sort of attack the overarching Sloan questions. So the option 1, which is maybe the least applicable, most fantasy applicable, um is working on a predictive model for what ownership data will be, how long guys will be available for, how expensive guys will be, how easy they'll be to pick up, et cetera, et cetera. That's very fantasy interesting and tells us something about how guys consume, how people consume, consume uh, MLB data. The second thing, also fantasy related, but topical because it's hard to ignore the behemoth that is daily fantasy which is i would like to develop pricing models for daily fantasy and figure out whether we can predict in advance how expensive guys will be and structure some of the desires to pick up guys based on that the third one and this is really where i'm thinking that we sell it is this metagame idea so i set up this google news query uh, if you study that and maybe even include Twitter mentions in this for sort of positive or negative language bias and see how the player is being portrayed or what the narrative is for different players out in the zeitgeist or the different mediums. And to me, that says the most, that speaks the most to the economic issues that players and GMs might think about, not just in the media, but also how people are being perceived. I think option one, we could tie it directly to real world salary. Mm. Why couldn't we? And whether it's predictive of someone who's going to be asking for more salary soon and whether that might be someone who would cause problems. I mean, clearly someone like Dylan Batances <laughs> it, last year was someone that you knew was headed for a... <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's going to ask for a lot of money. Whit Merrifield is someone who's going to be asking for a bit of money. You know, do you, do you, maybe there's a way that we can try to tie it to real-world salary um, and real-world compensation expectations. So you're saying that we should go down the sort of more unexpected road where fantasy data actually t- appears tells us something about the real world, despite the fact that they appear to be uncorrelated at the outset. Yeah, I, w- I would say it would be very interesting to see, well... Or it'd be very interesting to see if it doesn't. I mean, if it if they really are uncorrelated, I mean that would be almost as. I mean, we talk about null hypothesis, hypothesis testing. I mean, even just saying no, they're not connected, would be something that we could hang our hats on. I agree with that. That's an interesting thing. I have I have all the salary data available to me, so. <laughs> Yeah, Vox Populi, crowdsourcing. I mean, these are all, these are some good buzzwords. Yeah, I mean, I, I like all the ideas, and so we'll see. I, I've got to craft this over the next couple of days, but I think that we, we got some good narrative ideas now. But I do think your third option makes, is like the most intuitive for two millennial guys to be tackling. <laughs> <laughs> Study Google News, Twitter, look at the actual, uh, we're doing, we are two quantitative guys mm-hmm. who are going to do a little dabbling in the qualitative fields and see um, see how much we can mess things up. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> dabbling around. You know, you, you, you stayed away from the word disrupt. Isn't that what technology is supposed to do now? Ooh, no, I don't think we're going to. No, no disruption. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to disrupt the, the media landscape. <laughs> Uh, around nah, baseball players no, 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 no. i don't know that sounds pretty oh buzzwordy we should disrupt the sports media <laughs> space holy moly all right all right you about ready to wrap this sucker up yes and you have washed your hands of any use of any discussion on the next topic so i get i guess i'm just going for it yeah just go ahead get your soapbox i should probably go get a beverage all right, no, it, it's you know it's not even it's it's not a soapbox. This is just if you say the word workshop over and over and over, just something clicks in my brain, and there's just a formative time where I'm like, there is a pretty important Magic the Gathering card that includes the word workshop in it. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. You just have to say it a few times, and you know how you know how you say something and a word starts to look weird after a little while. Oh well, yeah, this is this was like that. Like oh yeah, Urza's workshop. Of course, I completely remember that card. You got to get all three cards together and then you get a whole bunch of mana. We're in a good place. And then I was thinking, man, I haven't spent any nerd brain time on a fantasy thing like Magic the Gathering in quite a while. I just wanted to tell you that I was going to play some Magic the Gathering because I remembered Urza's Workshop. That's it. Yep. There we go. Okay. (laughs) Are you ready for opening day of the NFL? Am I ready for some football um uh, no no and i feel like we got an extra week and i'm still not ready i know uh fantasy draft coming up nope got done it. oh done and done. done mine's tomorrow over the last last week you um gonna wait to the second round for um for digs or just go first round for him i think i think he's going straight up straight up for me no i i don't think i'm gonna get him based on based on where he's been falling you know i've I've used basically all of the same tools t- 
to look at my it's same standard uh-huh. snake all the same tools that we use to evaluate our draft this year have been the mlb draft have been mixed up in the nfl draft so <laughs> yeah i it's it's very hard though because the difference between the mlb and the nfl which i've talked about multiple times is the injuries play such a big part yep. in the nfl yep. you know that the supposed i'm i'm picking fifth so the supposed person that you should take is obj there in a half ppr league and i don't know that i could do it wait and julio is four yeah i mean it's sort of brown it's sort of browns jones and obj you can probably pick him in any order in a half ppr yeah yeah but um i i mean yeah now that he's a little bit hurt it's hard to hard to push it with him but last two years, going down the playoffs, going down into the fantasy playoffs, he has been huge. Oh, I know. Oh, I, I mean, the upside is clear, but it is hard to recover if you miss on your first round pick in fantasy football. Oh, yeah, you can't. I, yeah, talk to anybody who owned Adrian Peterson last year. All right, well, that brings us to the review session. Sauerkraut. You uh you put this one in here, so why don't you take it away, Mike? It is humble brag time. Oh, I am a successful sauerkraut brewer, Tur. maker, sauerkrauter. Yeah, I just this afternoon fired up, opened up, and just been hanging out there. There have been quite a few bubbles going on in this thing. We got some <laughs> fermented cabbage. Nice. And uh, you can guess that if you're deep enough down the rabbit hole to make your own sauerkraut, you probably felt pretty good about it in the first place. Yeah, I would I would say I would hope so. <laughs> Wait, quick question. What is uh, kimchi is also cabbage. Yeah. Fermented cabbage, yeah. right? So what is the difference between what have they done? It's a different cabbage. It's Napa, and uh, you throw you throw a bunch of spicy bean paste in there, Whoa. and let the let the the organisms munch on that. As opposed to this one, you just the organisms are just headed headed straight for that cabbage. <laughs> when is vinegar coming? No vinegar. What sauerkraut? Sauerkraut is awesome. It's just all right. Fine. Here we go. You asked for it. Lesson time. Uh, here here's, oh, here's what happens you just shred the cabbage beautifully you know because you're just gonna eat this straight up and then you mix the right amount of salt you just massage it around a little bit you let some of the liquid <laughs> come out then you got to put a weight in there you might want to mix in some caraway seeds if you're feeling a little fancy oh wow you weigh it down you make sure that all of the liquid rises to the top so it's all covered and then you just pop in one of the one of the, like the brewer air release things so that it can just kind of burp itself Throw it in a dark spot for a week. You come back, and there has been some fermentation. So you can eat it within a week? Yeah. Wow. And there's no vinegar? That is just all the natural um, fermenting yep. of cabbage? That is just what was hanging out in the air, apparently, in my apartment. I like sauerkraut, of course. Uh, I am German by nature and by by DNA. I will say, it's... I mean, I've had some nasty sauerkraut though. It's it's one of those foods where you you just don't 
go into it blindly. You always take that first little taste of it. <laughs> yes. On whatever it's on, <laughs> and you say, um, "Okay, yeah, I can have this one." Otherwise, it can it can just all go in the garbage. No, it's fine. I it's... I will be honest. Today, when I opened this and took the first bite, I it was ginger. Like I was just like, ah, I'm just how how Ooh. little can I eat to know if this turned out okay? Yeah, I I'd steeled myself to like if this one goes in the garbage, it's okay. But <laughs> it was just yeah, it was just a head of cabbage and some water. Yeah, exactly. And some salt. <laughs> um. Yeah, I like sauerkraut. So we're—I don't think we're getting any, any disagreement here. Um, I think more importantly, are you—you're a sauerkraut on your sausage kind of guy on your bratwurst. Very much so. But on your hot dog? Oh, you got it. I'll put it on anything. Any See, any I knew, case I meat. Gonna, I knew I was going to figure out where we we could disagree. I, especially in ballparks, no sauerkraut on the dogs. No sauerkraut on the dogs. Sauerkraut, chopped onions. I, I'm just trying to get everyone to stay away from me at the ballpark, basically. Just just mustard, because there's no like better test of whether you can get back to your seat than if you have <laughs> just mustard on a hot dog. It's like, oh boy, this is I am asking for it. I am asking for it. I have in my hand who knows how many bacteria that will ravage my insides, as well as a literal stain across the top yes yeah if you, of my if, you if you brush the mustard away you can still see where the mustard was <laughs> you're like ooh, did this just cook the hot dog more like what just happened here i think it did <laughs> i probably did all right time for a little housekeeping be sure to subscribe to us on itunes and follow us on twitter fantasy tools mind the z thank you mild manor for letting us use your tunes be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah!